Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, March 12th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Today, we wrap up our special COVID series by asking, whether it's work, culture, or everyday life, what does a post-pandemic future look like? But first, today's one big thing. Dr. Anthony Fauci on the early days of dealing with the pandemic. If there's one person who became a household name during the early days of the pandemic, it's Dr. Anthony Fauci. When we had the first case of COVID-19 in this country, people said, should we be doing anything different? I said, we should not be doing anything different right now. Then I said, however, underlined 15 times, things could get much worse quickly, so we have to be prepared. And then finally, we went into the Oval Office and the president sat me and Deb and I believe it was Barb Redfield and uh, Alex Azar and uh, the vice president was there. And he said, well, what's going on? And at that point, it was clear that New York was getting hit by cases that were coming not from China directly, but were coming from Italy and then essentially the rest of Europe. There was a reasonable back and forth where the president was saying, is this something we absolutely need to do? And remember, he looked me straight in the eye and he says, what do you think? I says, yes, I believe things are going to get worse before they get better. So if you really don't want a big influx of cases coming in from Europe, we really need to shut down Italy. And then they said, well, you can't just do Italy. You've got to do essentially all the countries. And we did. We were getting dribs and drabs of information from China that was, you know, it was a progression of, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness kind of thing. Remember, the first case that we had in the United States was like January 21st, and we didn't know about community spread until later. So we were, we were going on the information we had. What surprised me the most was the rolling out of knowledge. So it went from animal to human, no human to human spread. Human to human spread, but not very efficient. Well, human-to-human spread, and it's pretty efficient. And then the real showstopper was it's transmitted by people who don't have any symptoms. That was the game changer. That's what I think people don't understand. They think on day one, you know everything that you need to know to make reasonable decisions. That's not the case. Because as every week goes by, you learn something else that causes you to change a bit your perspective on the disease. You can listen to Dan Premack's entire interview with him on Axios Recap, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back in 15 seconds with what to expect in the year ahead. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Axios Today. Last night, President Biden delivered his first primetime address to mark the anniversary of the COVID-19 lockdowns. Over a year ago, no one could have imagined what we were about to go through. But now, we're coming through it. We are bound together by the loss and the pain of the days that have gone by. We're also bound together by the hope and the possibilities the days in front of us. We've spent all week talking about the big decisions that took place a year ago that shaped our response to the pandemic. Today, we wanted to look ahead at the decisions we're facing as we try to reimagine our post-pandemic future. And to do that, I asked Axios' business reporter, Erica Pandy, who reports on the future of work, to be here with our future correspondent, Brian Walsh. Erica, Brian, hey, thanks for being here with me. Hey, Nyla. Hi. Erica, can I start by asking you about one part of this pandemic that you and I have talked a lot about on Axios today is women and how women have been affected by the pandemic. And I wonder what big decisions women are making now that will have implications for years to come. A few million American women have left the workforce. Nearly a million of them are mothers and they've left because of childcare responsibilities Women are choosing not to come back into the workforce at all. So we've really dialed the clock back decades in terms of women's workplace progress. And looking ahead after this year of pain, we're not going to get back to normal anytime soon. Brian, I think you have a unique perspective, perhaps, on the pandemic and the future, given your past experience living through the SARS outbreak. Well, thinking back to the SARS outbreak in Hong Kong, I mean, that felt enormous at the time. It's just so tiny compared to the scale of what we're experiencing now. You did see some changes that are playing out here now with COVID-19. In Asia during SARS, you actually saw the beginnings of figuring out how to work outside the sort of concentrated office atmosphere and how you would actually go about doing that, not to mention the things that we now take for granted, like masks, temperature controls, and so forth. So in a little bit, that gave us somewhat of a preview, but the sheer scale of what we're experiencing with COVID-19 is going to be felt for far longer, and it's going to really permeate down into everything we do, both at work and at home. Do we have a sense of what decisions we made about remote work that are going to be permanent? When we first started this, there was a sense of this is going to be the way we do things forever. And then a few months in, people said, this kind of sucks. We'll all go back to work forever. And we've kind of landed on a happy medium with remote work. Right, Brian? Yeah, I think we have moved towards what we call a hybrid future. And that's one where some people will be working remotely. Some people will be working in the office. They might switch on and off, which... Sounds pretty great, I have to say. But at the same time, it does create a lot of challenges around how you manage a workforce where some people will be in there sometimes, some won't, where they'll be more distributed. When everyone was remote, that was one thing. But the idea that you'll be having all these tiers of people, that'll be tricky. And then lastly, of course, how do you manage the office space? And that's a big question, I think, around urban real estate. How much of these offices will be needed and where will they actually be? I wonder what you were thinking about the big decisions that are going to happen over the next year? Like, what decisions do you think are going to turn out to be very important? 
I think we'll see a future where even as this virus recedes, elements of it, I mean, we will be wearing masks, I think, in the winter because we'll see, wow, then we don't get the flu. That's a huge thing. We'll see more surveillance around health in general to see more of that kind of tracking. That'll be probably good for a public health perspective. There will definitely be some issues around surveillance, some issues around the ethics of it as well. But that to me seems like the future we're headed to. It depends on whether it happens in the near future or whether it's further down the line if the virus ends up getting the upper hand for a while. Erica, what are you thinking about? I think you're going to see people making a lot of important decisions about how to prioritize what's important in life because we've taken a year to reflect and a year of a lot of pain, but also a year of a lot of realization for people. Maybe it's a little bit like the post-war environment where we're going to come home essentially from an experience that's felt like war to a lot of us. And we saw after that, we saw baby boom, we saw an economic boom. I don't know if the baby boom will happen given the experience of being locked up with your family for long periods of time. But I do think we'll really see people making those big decisions. I think Eric is absolutely right like that. And we'll see life take a different direction, hopefully a better one as well. I would say based on the voice memos we've gotten from Axios Today listeners, definitely people are having babies. So it's anecdotal, but we definitely heard that a lot over the past two weeks. Like we've seen a pet boom. We've seen a housing boom. People are having babies. They're moving in together. They're making the big choices. Erica Pandy writes the At Work newsletter for Axios, and Brian Walsh writes our future newsletter. That's it for us this week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're also produced by Justin Kaufman, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Naomi Shaven, Amy Padula, and Alice Wilder. Our mix engineer is Alex Sugiara. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer, and Sarah Kehlani Gu is our executive editor. Special thanks to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. At Pushkin, our executive producers are Tal Malad and Jacob Weisberg. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and I hope you enjoy your weekend.